After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So as we get back uh, to normal life after the Christmas and Hogmanay celebrations this weekend, uh, I wonder how you're feeling. Are you feeling full or empty, exhausted or rested, strapped for cash or reveling in everybody's generosity, excited about the new year or daunted about what lies ahead for you or for your family or your friends? As much as we all might love giving or receiving gifts, in the next few weeks as the credit card bills come rolling in, uh, you might wonder what on earth you were thinking spending that much on all those gifts or all that food or all that entertainment that you've lavished on yourself or on other people over the Christmas and New Year period or perhaps been splashing the cash in the January sales. I was reading uh, this week, the BBC reported that 16% of people in the UK will fall behind on payments or find themselves not managing financially this month because of Christmas spending. 16%, that's 7.9 million people who will be struggling financially this month because of Christmas spending. And interestingly, that's 5% up on the same statistics for last year. We want to give, we want to splash out, we want to be hospitable, we want to enjoy ourselves, don't we? But the repercussions can be far-reaching and mean we or others around us are scared about how we might manage financially at the beginning of this new year. As well as being challenged to sort out our finances, the beginning of a new year is often a time for us to step back and to re-evaluate our priorities how we give of ourselves, where we put our energies. 
uh, over my Christmas and New Year, myself and my family usually give the M5 and the M6 a complete beating, uh, travelling around a thousand miles uh, around the UK. And during these hours and hours spent in the car, uh, whilst the kids are plugged into technology, okay, we plug our kids into technology in the car and they're not permanently damaged yet. I love iPads and in-car uh, DVD players. John and I try to have a little chat about our priorities for the following year, uh, whether it's our financial commitments or our giving or our hopes and dreams for ourselves and our family, uh, perhaps where we want to go on holiday, uh, who we want to spend time with, or, or what we think God is calling us to do and be during this year. And this year, our conversation uh, resulted, it was quite heated at times, it resulted in us sorting out our money. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say that before this conversation, I had no idea what our incomings and our outgoings were, uh, but thankfully my husband did. Um, and we also sorted out our giving to church as well. We also decided that we needed to go on more date nights together, always a plus. Uh, we also love to have people around to our house, so we decided we're going to do that more regularly through this year. Uh, and I've never taken on the challenge of reading the Bible in a year. I'm sure many of you have. And so I've taken the plunge and I've downloaded the HTB Bible in a Year app. It's brilliant. So far, so good. Eight days in and I'm giving it a go this year. So new, new Year's is a time to evaluate our priorities, how we give of ourselves, our time, our talents, our homes, how we give of the space around our dinner tables, our money, our spiritual gifts. Ultimately, it's about working out our priorities. And as Christians, this is all part and parcel of what our worship is. We're talking here about whole life worship. Worship is about giving our all, every part of our lives, to Jesus. If we say that we're followers of Jesus, then everything that we do and are is worship. We're called to give worship to God, and that includes giving him our time, giving him our money, giving him our homes, giving him our families, giving him our emotions, giving him our energy for the following year. It means ensuring that our attitudes are, are godly and Christ-like, ensuring that our attitude to our work or the way that we treat our colleagues or our neighbours, the importance that we put on making money, the way that we spend it, everything is done as an act of worship. It's about being a whole-life disciple, a whole-life giver, a whole-life worshipper. And Jesus didn't give of himself half-heartedly, but made a total sacrifice. And that sacrifice demands a response, not a half-hearted response, but a whole-life response of worship. The Magi in Matthew chapter 2 were givers. They gave of themselves in worship to God when they encountered Jesus, this gift, the King of Kings. And I find uh, this encounter, this account of the Magi uh, following the start from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, their encounter with Herod and then Jesus, a little bit bizarre, to be honest. Uh, you know, through my Western 21st century eyes, it's all a little bit random and mystical, isn't it? And yet, it is such an important part of Matthew's gospel. 
as we encounter this baby, the King of the Jews, the Magi declare. And we're challenged to consider how we respond to him in worship 2,000 years later. And so we encounter the Magi as they travel from the east to Jerusalem, following what they believe to be a star. Uh, The most likely theory is that it was actually the conjunction of two planets, uh, Jupiter and Saturn. Bearing in mind uh, there was no light pollution at the time, astronomy was a popular pursuit. And the people of this part of the world had got their examination of the stars down to a fine art. And changes in constellations or events uh, with the stars and the planets were believed at the time to indicate uh, that a remarkable event on Earth was taking place. Hence why these magi, these scholarly men, having noticed an event taking place in the heavens, probably in this instance between Jupiter and Saturn, would have presumed that this indicated that something was happening on Earth and prompted them then to pack up their stuff, get on their camels or horses or whatever, and travel this great distance following this star. And interestingly, I discovered this week as well, uh, that Jupiter was viewed as the kingly or royal planet at the time. It was associated with royalty. And Saturn was believed, particularly in the east, to represent the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. And so you can see that these scholars watching these two planets may have concluded that a new king, a king of the Jews, was about to be born. And so they follow the star to Jerusalem, to the court of King Herod, in search of the one born to be king of the Jews. And after their encounter with Herod, they're on their way once again, following the star, until it stops in the place, we read, where the child was. No mention of a stable just a house in Bethlehem. And Matthew records this, that the men were overjoyed when they saw that the star had stopped. They're overjoyed, at last we've arrived, they're thinking. They were pilgrims uh, seeking someone they didn't know with so much hope wrapped up in this long journey. They were no doubt exhausted, and yet they were overjoyed at the promise of what or who they were to find. And so we read, On coming to the house, they saw this child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These men, these pilgrims, they weren't, weren't even Jews as far as we know, but are simply mystic astrologers from the East who were searching for more than the earth offers. And as they do, They find Jesus. They find Jesus and they bow down and they worship him and they bring to him their treasure. The Magi are, if you like, the spiritual searchers of the day. They look up beyond themselves and their own circumstances and they know there is more to life than this. And in amongst the depressing statistics about church attendance in the UK, there is some hope. I was reading uh, in the Times, incidentally, uh, that over the past year, there has been a 2% decline in atheism, a 1% increase in belief in God from 28 to 29% of the population, with the proportion of non-Christian believers uh, has fallen back to 36%. There is hope. 
Is it that people are searching uh, for that something more beyond relationships and shopping? They need more meaning to life. Maybe for you, that's your story, how you came to be here. Or maybe your neighbor or your friend or your brother or sister or your child is that person searching for something more. You know that they're searching. Have, like the Magi, begun to look up, seeking out that meaning to life. In a few weeks, uh, we've got our next Alpha course starting here at P's and G's. Again, many of you know it's a great chance for folk to come and ask those big searching questions. Uh, Most people come to Alpha not on their own. They come because they're asked by a neighbor or a family member or a friend and are brought along, at least at the beginning. Maybe you can be that person to somebody else. Uh, We've got these little cards at the back on the information point. And our um, evening course starts on Wednesday, the 17th of January at 7.30 here in church. And we've got a morning daytime Alpha course starting on Monday, the 22nd of January at 10 o'clock here in church again uh, with breakfast. There's food at everything. Uh, So do pick up one of these cards, two of these cards, three of these cards and invite somebody along to our next Alpha course. Alpha is, is designed for people to meet Jesus for themselves. And in Jesus, the Magi discovered the most incredible gift from God. And their response, we read, is to give him gifts of worship. Gifts fit for a king, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In John's very different account of the incarnation, we discover again that God gives us Jesus to not just speak about God or to show us the character of God, but to be God in our midst, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus is revealed as who he really is. As John says, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is God's gift to this world. The gospel is about the God who gives and gives and gives. John 1 uh, verse 16 tells us that out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. God has given us so much in Jesus. And worship is simply giving back to the one who first gave. Worship is simply giving back to the one who first gave. And so the Magi bow, and they bow down in worship before the King of Kings, and they give back of their treasure. Later on in Jesus' ministry, uh, as he sends out his followers, he gives them this instruction. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. He's saying this message of good news, this healing that you've received, this wholeness that you've experienced, this forgiveness you have, this new life that you're living, freely you have received, now freely give. Chris Leonard, uh, in a book of devotion, says this. If we are to become like him, giving, not grasping, we have to learn first to receive, to love others because he first loved us, to forgive others because he forgave us. If we're ever holy, it's because he reveals his holiness to us. If we experience pure joy, it is because he shares his with us. If we're moved with compassion, it's because he lets us taste his tears. 
If we keep on giving, it's because that is exactly what he does for us. Freely you have received, now freely give. Worship is simply giving back to the one who first gave. And so the Magi give, and they give from hearts that are full. They're literally, we read in the gospel, overjoyed. They're spilling over with joy and love for Jesus, the one they've been searching for. And we too need to give from hearts that are full for Jesus, full of love for Jesus. I know that for me, there are times every year uh, when that isn't the case. Even as a professional Christian, I can get distracted or things or people sneak in and take priority in my life or I just neglect my relationship with God. But this passage is a reminder that we can only give freely from a full heart for the right reason, as a response to God's generosity to each of us. And so maybe for some of us, maybe for all of us this morning, the challenge at the beginning of this new year is to stop and sit back and receive again from Jesus, to give him your life again, to receive his love and his joy and his forgiveness and compassion, to let him fill your heart with his love and power, to know him. A starting point for this might be deciding to do some new Bible study program like I'm doing, uh, or joining a connect group so you're connected with church midweek, or perhaps getting a mentor through our scheme here at P's and G's. Or it might be just taking time every day to be still, if that's your thing, or to walk, if that's your thing, in the presence of God. Telling him what's going on, telling him what's on your heart, telling him your troubles or your woes or your joys, letting him speak into your life through his word, or simply just speaking those quiet whispers into your heart. For others of us, we're receiving and we need to enter this new year with open hands to give freely of ourselves and our lives and our worship back to him. Even when it's cold and dark and horrid outside and we're skin and tired and it's the second week in January, we need to take time to stop and to wonder at the grace and the love of God given to us through the person of Jesus. And then, like the Magi, to give freely of our worship back to him, to give him our all in worship and praise. What does that look like in our lives? It might look like acknowledging and handing over to God some of the baggage we carry when we come to worship, the way that we hold back from him, or the feelings of cynicism we might have, or the lack of expectancy, or your desire that things were done differently so that you can freely give of yourself in worship. It might mean asking the Holy Spirit to help you to take a good look at your life and seeing where and how you're giving of your time or your gifts or your energy, um, maybe to a specific ministry or something else you're involved in or called to. Asking yourself those questions, have I lost sight of why I first got involved in this or that? Why, why did I offer to help in that particular area? Do I need to give something up or recommit to something? Reminding ourselves that it's all about giving ourselves in worship. Is God perhaps nudging you at the beginning of this new year to respond to something, perhaps in the notice sheet or a request that's come in through your social media or, or uh, emails 
or to reprioritize so that you can do less and glorify God more. Giving of our time and our talents is part of our worship. It might mean giving of yourself in some way to love other people, to share Christ's love and mercy that you've received by loving your neighbor in a practical way. That person at work who's having a tough time, your child or your relative that you're finding really difficult at the moment, whoever it might be. It might be giving someone that opportunity to hear about Jesus, to ask the big questions of life by taking courage and inviting them to the Alpha course. Others of us uh, will be challenged to give of our finances in a new way, to literally offer our treasure back to Jesus. See where he prompts you to give. It's about saying yes to generosity. I came across this view of generosity in giving the other day. It says this, generosity is not something that happens to us and it's not something that will overrule us. Our part in the story of generosity only begins when we say yes. So I'd love us just to pause for 30 seconds. There's been a lot uh, that I've thrown out there. Maybe God is nudging you in some way or challenging you uh, about your priorities or your worship in some area of your life. And let's just pause. You might want to close your eyes if it would help and just see what is God saying to you right now. You might want to grasp that thought and write it down or put it in your phone or whatever, wherever you put those sorts of uh, ideas or thoughts that come to you. And don't let it let it fall away if it's something that you're feeling really challenged by. And so we remember today, the Magi, uh, 2,000 years ago, these strange group of Eastern mystics, simply because they came and they received and they gave of their treasure. And so at the beginning of 2018, what is your and my act of worship? In Jesus, freely you have received How then are we to freely give? Amen.